thankful that all of you are with us, and I know we have the month of June is our camps, and uh, I believe our Sunday school camp starts this coming week on June tomorrow, actually, June the 6th, and um, we're blessed. They are close, and I know that means that we get asked about doing a lot of work and a lot of our men and uh, so forth and others will be serving and cooking and helping in the kitchen and making pizzas and doing what they can down there. <clears throat> My wife uh, is on a plane right now flying. She has one of three flights today flying from Vancouver to uh, Seattle and then Seattle to either Minneapolis or Detroit and then to uh, uh, Columbus, so remember her in prayer. She was <clears throat> telling me yesterday as she was leaving, as she left their campground there in British Columbia, and uh, when she landed, uh, she landed about midnight their time, which was three o'clock our time on, on Wednesday, and she had a three-hour drive uh, after she got a car to uh, make it to um, uh, the campground area, and she went there, and uh, she felt, uh, you know, um, overwhelmed that she had a three-hour drive after flying for several hours, and <clears throat> there were numerous individuals there that had driven 12 and 14 hours, and taken ferries, and she said, so the Lord said, uh-huh, now, what are you gonna say about that? <laughs> so she said, uh, this was their first meeting, we're blessed. This was the first time they were allowed to uh, congregate um, and um, without masks and uh, with an unlimited group of ladies and it, for over two years when she got uh, of course, in the airport there, they still have to wear a mask. In fact, they required her to get a COVID test to be in the airport coming into Canada to leave on an international flight. So she had to get, go to the airport Saturday night and get a COVID test there. And, and, uh, and then um, uh, so that she could get on the plane. So. She was away from my car, so she was spared COVID, I guess. It's negative and she's on her way. But uh, we are thankful that uh, she was able to go and be a blessing. And I know uh, last week there were uh, several, uh, there were a couple of young ladies and my mother that went with her to Canada and they drove and they did not have to get COVID test driving but uh, in order to be in their airport, it was required. So, you know, when you stop and think about how rough things are, you can always say, Lord, I'm blessed. Amen? And the Lord's been good. And I do appreciate all of you being here. We are growing. Yes. And I asked the question because today is Pentecost Sunday. 
And I know it's an important day in, in our history, the history of the church, because we believe that this Sunday marked the beginning of the Christian church, if you will, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. It was what Jesus had told them about. And yet, I, I ask a question, does God speak? And I, I think it bears uh, a little bit of talking about, I know I uh, was speaking the last few weeks about uh, sort of uh, just in a general sense about the Lord, and now I, I believe that we should say, I want to hear the voice of God. Now, that's an amazing uh, amazing understanding, and and I I realize as this picture depicts, uh, oftentimes we feel or sense, sense something with nature. I don't know. Uh, typically, it's a. I, I've seen beautiful cities. I've seen beautiful edifices and bridges. And I know Brother Bill Hitchcock uh, is a, a steel draftsman, and all of that works in that uh, area. But there's nothing that I have seen man-made that seems to move you like the beautiful scenery. And when you travel, and I know uh, whether you see Niagara Falls or whether you see uh, the mountains around uh, the northwest part of America and up into British Columbia and Vancouver and Puyallup and that area, or whether you see the uh, Grand Canyon or whatever the sights are, it's awe-inspiring, and, and it's almost as if you can feel and sense and hear the, the voice of God and the presence of God. And it's almost like, you know, in that moment you feel something that you maybe not had experienced before. David wrote about this in Psalms. In one of his songs, he said, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech, no language where their voice is not heard. In other words, what David was saying in this song was everybody, every culture, and, and we know that to be true. You can go back through history. You can, you can look at even the mounds that are in this area. You can look at the pyramids and you can look at, at how they tried to line them up with the heavens and with the stars and with the sunset and with the, uh, you know, uh, the equal, you know, the equinox. And they tried to line their, they built structures because those heavens were speaking something to them. And it shouldn't be a great surprise. I know sometimes folks try to trivialize it by saying some aliens came and, and plotted out, you know, aircraft landings and it happened to flaw with the equinox and uh, with all of the lines of the stars. And yet, what a, what a pitiful uh, understanding of the fact that these individuals were smart enough to go look 
there's something going on in the heavens. And those heavens are speaking to us. And it says, there it doesn't matter where, what culture, their voice is heard. Their line has gone out throughout the earth and their words to the end of the earth. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun. We know a lot of cultures even worship the sun god. Whether it was from the Egyptian to the Aztec to whatever, and they worshiped nature, they worshiped the gods, if you will, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoicing as a strong man to run the race. What, what David was saying in this 19th song is that the heavens declare the glory of God. And when you see the sun and the stars and the moon and all the constellations, it is like it speaks that there is a God. There is a God that had to make all of this. And I know I, I talked these last few services about science and just how how, how much faith you have to have to really embrace scientifically that there is not a God when you consider that, that this big bang uh, exploded, but it's got enough gravity to keep it from flying out everywhere. And yet, uh, you know, how does a, a bumblebee fly and a dragonfly fly and all of these things and how do all these insects have all of these capabilities and where did they come from and did evolution, oh, it, 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 you would have to have a whole lot more faith than to believe there is a God in heaven that is a creator of the heavens and a creator of the earth and a creator of all of this. That's why David continued on in Psalms 50 and he says, the mighty God, even the Lord hath spoken and called the earth from the rising of the sun unto the going down thereof. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shine. Our God shall come and shall not keep silence. I believe that. I don't believe that God is out of control and doesn't know what's going on. I believe absolutely our God shall come and shall not keep silence. A fire shall devour before him. Revelation took all of this and, and expanded on it. And it shall be a very tempestuous round about him. He shall call to the heavens from above and to the earth that he may judge his people. Gather my saints together unto me and those that have a covenant with me by sacrifice. And the heavens shall declare his righteousness for God is judge himself, Selah. Which means, think about that. Our God is the judge. Our God is, has spoken. Our God is in fact all of the heavens declare. And if somebody says, I'm not sure if there's a God, how can you believe in a sun and moon and stars and all of creation and not know there's got to be an intelligent design somewhere that started all of this? And I know people try to make the Bible a science book, and it's not a science book, and we talked about that 
few weeks ago on Wednesday and last Sunday, as he continues on in Psalms 50, he says, Hear, O my people, and I will speak, O Israel. I will testify against thee. I am God, even thy God. Now you say, does God speak? And I know, you know, we can talk about, we know that he does. But do you really believe that? If, if, there, if there was this intelligent design and yet he doesn't talk to us, then here we are with no idea, no clue of what's going on. It's like an ant crawling across a, a Van Gogh. If there was a, a, a master painter or that had done a sculpture or a painting and that ant's perception is, I don't know what's, I can't see this beautiful structure. I'm crawling across. It's just a slick marble thing. It's just a, the ground goes from reds to blacks to yellows to orange. I have no ability to distinguish what's going on if there's some master up there that did all of this and he doesn't speak we're hopeless we're helpless you know and and that, that's why i said if, if you you know i know people that say well i don't know if i believe in a god well i i can't help you if you don't believe in a god i can show you scientifically etc cetera, etc cetera, why I believe there's a God. If you say, well, I believe in a God, but I'm not sure he speaks, well, then there's nothing else you can do. You know, because it's so complex and vast and so much knowledge. I mean, we, you know, we, we come up with some idea about the blood or about uh, you know, fingerprints or about some way to identify. And we've made wonderful breakthroughs and yet the Lord had already talked about some of these things in the Word, that life is in the blood. And here we are and 200 years ago in America bleeding people to death, trying to cure them. And yet the Bible said the life was in the blood how brilliant we are. And, and so, you know, if you, you know, if you do believe in God, well then what are his true words? And then that's where, you know, immediately it opens up to all of the religions. It opens up to all of the ideas, whether the Egyptians that worship, you know, Ra and the sun god, or whether it's uh, Buddhist, whether it's Hindu, whether it's Muslim, you know, which one really knows who God is? We're his true words. And so then that's the quest. Well, and they say all these roads lead to some higher power. And that's where uh, the demand for religion to be tolerant, the demand for us to accept that anybody that just wants to claim to be a God, well then, where is the master plan? 
if anybody can come up with it. You know, if you don't believe this is the Word of God, then is God silent? Or does he have numerous plans? And, and if he has numerous plans, how do we approach him? If there are numerous plans, is there any, are there numerous ideas for morality? I mean, if I believe that, well, you know, uh, I want this particular race or these people to dominate the world, then I should eliminate everybody else. What's amazing when you study World War II and Hitler's ideology, the first thing he did was shut the doors of the churches. There in Germany. And he said, there's a new religion and it's the Aryan race. If there's not an absolute, you say, well, oh, we would never go that far. And yet we experienced here, whether it was 9-11 or whether it was whatever, you know, because if God is silent, there is no morality. If God is silent, there is no justice. There is no real right or wrong. It's whoever's in power, whoever makes a decision. And I know I've had people tell me, well, I think, and I, and I, I get amazed at the, their arrogance that you can speak for God. They say, well, I know what the Bible says, but I think what the Lord meant was. That's amazing to me. I'm like, wow, that, with, with your logic, everybody gets to be their own God. Which is what happened all the way back in the Garden of Eden. You can be like God. And, and so we, we understand that the Bible was, you know, the Lord spoke to prophets up until the time of Jesus. As a matter of fact, Paul opened up the book of Hebrews and he was explaining. And if you really uh, want to go through an a in-depth study of, of Hebrews, the first chapter, and look up the Greek meaning of these words, it's, it's absolutely amazing because he says, God, who at sundry times and divers' manners spoke in times past by the fathers, uh, unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. Everything hinges on the word of God. Is God speaking? Absolutely he's speaking. You say, well, I don't know. The world sure looks like it's going down. It's going, uh, you know, in a handbasket somewhere. Uh, yeah, uh, straight into the lake of fire, whatever you want to call it. But the point is, I want to tell you something. God is not out of control. God hasn't lost. And God's word is not going to be null and void or violated. Does God speak? Yes. 
As a matter of fact, he said, when he by, had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels. Now he goes into a discussion about the angels. Why? He is saying Jesus was not an angel. He hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For under which of the angels said he at any time? And then he starts quoting. And Paul, probably the writer of Hebrews, quotes not one, not two, not five, seven scriptures from the Old Testament. Phrases taken out of the Old Testament in this Hebrews, the first chapter, proving who the Messiah was. He says, thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. <clears throat> he goes on. Again, I will say unto him, I will be unto him a father, and he shall be to me a son. He brings the first begotten unto the world. Let all the angels of God worship him. Quoting out of Isaiah. And again, he said, what bringeth uh, the, uh, and of the angels, he said, who makes the angels spirits and his ministers flame of fire? But he under the sun, he said, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Paul quotes that verse, thy throne, O God, referencing Jesus. Therefore thou hast loved righteousness, hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. And thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth. That when he said, thou, Lord, he had definite reference right to Jesus. He said, you laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens are the works of your hands. What are you saying? I'm saying the God of the Old Testament that said, let there be light, was found himself within the completeness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Does God speak? Yes, he spoke through Jesus. I'm glad I know who he is. You say, well, I thought he was the second one or the third one or the fourth one or he was just a prophet. And I know there are some, the Muslim religion, that look at Jesus, they consider him a prophet. There are some Jews that consider him a nice rabbi. But he wasn't just a nice rabbi and he wasn't just a good prophet. He was God manifest in the flesh. John opened his book by saying it like this, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. <laughs> the same was in the beginning with God. All, A-L-L, -L, all things were made by Him. <laughs> all things and without Him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Notice that verse. And the light shined in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. He was in the world, 10th verse, you can read it because he talks about John, 
He was in the world. The world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came into his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received them, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Not grandchildren, not great-grandchildren. First generation, even to those that believe on his name, which were born not of blood. Everybody say blood. blood. Nor of the will of the flesh. Everybody say the will of the flesh. Blood. Nor of the will of man. Everybody say the will of man. Blood. But of God. For the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of him and cried saying, this was he of whom I spake. Now the reason I had you say some of those words is because whenever he was saying, John, when you read in, in, in the Greek, he said, to them gave he power. Power. There it's not dunamis. Not, he didn't say gave you dynamite power, but it's exousia power. In other words, choice. That's what he gave to all of us. By him, we have a choice to either have God speak to us and through us or not. That's, that's the bottom line. You have a choice. Now, that power is the same power that, that Simon the sorcerer asked for whenever he saw the apostles laying hands on people and they were getting the Holy Ghost in Acts and they were talking in tongues. He said, I want some of that power and I want to be able to be able to give the Holy Ghost to whomever I choose. And that's why the, Simon Peter looked at him and said, you, you don't, your money perish with you. You can't buy this. You can't give it to whom you choose. Ah, God is the chooser. You're here today. You have free choice. The Lord sought and to save those that were lost, but it's up to me to say, all right, Lord, you chose me. I want it. I want it. You won't get it unless you want it. You can sit and you can say, I don't think I need it. I don't think I should have it. I don't think I want it. Guess what? You have the exousia to say no. I know I blew some of your minds Wednesday night when I was talking about hell and I apologize for those of you who are here Wednesday night because I said, you know, people say, why is a good God going to send people to hell? And I said, because that good God's prayed in the garden, not my will, but thine be done. And basically, when you come before the judgment seat, what the Lord's going to say is, not my will, but this is what you chose. You had to step over my dead body to get here. You had to ignore my blood to go where you're going. You chose to say, I don't think so. Now, are you the offspring, sons of Theos, 
Theos, that same word, God, that was whenever the angel, you know, said thou shalt, you know, shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God, Theos, with us. To those that believe, just like John, the seventh chapter, if, you, if you've never read John 7, 38 through 40, you ought to read it sometime because Jesus said, he that believeth out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. This spake he of the Holy Ghost, which they that believe should receive. And so then he said, uh, he said, not of blood, This was a huge writing to the Jews because your bloodline doesn't guarantee you access into the presence of God. I, I've got wonderful parents. I had great-grandparents. My great-grandfather got the Holy Ghost many years ago. That does not guarantee me with the Holy Ghost. I'm sorry, it doesn't guarantee my children with the Holy Ghost. It doesn't guarantee my grandchildren with the Holy Ghost. Because you are born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh. In other words, that's this, that's this, the soft tissue. Meaning, there's nothing you can do. You can give your flesh, you can come, you can work, you can do, man, you can give your body to be burned, and it will not grant you access into the presence of God. You can be on every committee, you can do everything, but the flesh won't get you there. Not of the will of the flesh, not of the will of man. That's another... <laughs> not of a husband. As a husband, I can't, get, I can't get my wife to heaven. My wife can't get me to heaven. I can't get my own children to heaven. I can't get, you know, as a matter of fact, I'll be glad to shake your hand. I'll be glad to welcome you. I'll be glad to pray for you. But if you think I can get you there, I stop short. I can't do it. If it were my will, come on. But guess who has to choose? Not of the will of man, but it is of Theos. That's why he said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Oh, this was talking about the Holy Ghost, what they should receive. He goes on and he said, he that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. John, the, who was nine months older than Jesus, recognized that he came before me, that he was somehow God. And, and when you read 
read what John said. John said, I baptize you with water under repentance, but somebody's coming who's mightier than I. I'm not worthy to bear his shoes. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. That's in Matthew, in Mark. He said, I baptize you with water. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost. That's in Mark. In Luke, he said, I indeed baptize you with water, but one is coming that shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. In John, he said, he sent me to baptize with water, but the one that you see the dove falling on, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost. All four Gospels. In fact, actually, the, the fifth, if you will, the last writings of, of Jesus before he was taken up are recorded by Luke in Acts the first chapter. Being assembled with them together, he commanded that they not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father which he said, you have heard of me, for John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Oh, I'm here to tell you that you can have the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's why he came. That's what Pentecost Sunday is all about. Wherefore, they came. They, were, they, they didn't get it so much after three years. And they go, well, is, it, is this going to be when, you know, you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And we're going to have power. and We're going to be awesome. And we're going to lead the world. And he said, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has set in his own power. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Uh, and when he had spoken these things, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. They left and went to Jerusalem and 120 were there, including Mary, the mother of Jesus. And Acts, the second chapter, records it. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come and they were all in one accord and in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and it sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak and began to speak and began to speak. Does God still speak? I'm telling you, he still speaks in 2022. God still speaks. They begin to speak in other tongues. Oh, as what? The Spirit gave them utterance. You can be born of the will of man. I can shake your hand. I can welcome you. You can be born of, say, well, my family's all in it, and I'm therefore, this is my church, and I'm going to always be a part, and we will welcome you, and we will enjoy having you and your fellowship, and, and it's okay. But to get to be a part of the church, the sons of God, 
you have to be born not of the will of man, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the blood. You have to be born of God as the Spirit gives the utterance. Oh, and whenever they came bebopping out of the upper room and you know what happened, the people looked at them, thought they were drunk, thought they were crazy. Simon Peter stands up and says, this are not drunk, these are not drunk, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. He told him in the 38th verse, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with this and many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourself from this untoward generation. And I skipped over a couple of verses there. I want to draw your attention to them, and this, I, I, this is it. I know. My time's up. I've got more slides. I'll do some tonight. Does God speak? Absolutely. Simon Peter, when he was closing out his message, he said, This Jesus hath God raised up. Wherefore, we are all witnesses, therefore being at the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, which he shed forth this, which you now see and hear. Does God still speak? Absolutely. When you come to an altar... You repent. You say, Lord, I want you to speak through me. I love you. I thank you for what you've done. I need your presence to just flood me, flood my mind, my heart. He said, for David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith unto himself, the Lord said to my Lord, sit thou at my right hand until I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made this same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Both the Son of Man and the Son of God. What a privilege we have today to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You may not understand what it's all saying, but you know what? You can hear from God. That's why it's so important to have a relationship with God. The Holy Ghost is able to quicken your heart, quicken your mind. He's able to give you words. Anybody know what I'm talking about? All of a sudden, you don't know what to say. This seems like a thought. Something quickens your spirit, quickens you. Why? Because God still speaks today. God still speaks through the power of the Holy Ghost. Let's stand. Hallelujah. If you need the Holy Ghost, come. You've never repented of your sins? Come. You say, well, I know all about it. I can do it. Let me tell you, it's not you. If it's you, you're not getting it right. You need to pray and worship till you let it go yes. and let God do it. Yes. Because you're not born of the will of man nor of the will of the flesh.
If somebody tells you, say, G, 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 hubba, 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 Honda, 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 that's not the Holy Ghost. That's the will of man. When you get the Holy Ghost, it's going to be supernatural. That's why when Simon saw what happened to Cornelius, he said, what can we do? We're going to have to baptize him with water because God has already spoken 